welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and Skyping from across America in Tupelo, Mississippi, is my co-host, Roy. Hello, from the birthplace of Elvis. The birthplace of Elvis. This is the second time we've done the, the Skype episode. I, I'm, I'm getting better at it. <laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately, travel is a minor part of my job. So, you know, every, every month or two, I wind up having to come out this way. Uh, so we, uh, we work with it. Fantastic. Um, so there's a God. How was your world series? We haven't seen each other since, uh, the world series ended last night with the Boston win, uh, a crushing. Def- I know I'm, 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 I'm happy because the Dodgers won, but I'm sad because baseball's I'm, I'm happy because the Dodgers lost. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm sad because baseball is, or at least major league baseball is over for the year, but, uh, I'm, Great, great World Series. Exciting World Series. I stayed up for the whole 18-inning game. Yeah. Um, there were great plays. There were great performances. There were good stories. So I think it really delivered. Um, the, the The sad part there is that I, I really don't care for Boston. And as a Padres fan and a San Diego native, I have to loathe the Dodgers. Uh, but So I'm glad the Dodgers lost and yeah. uh it was an entertaining series it was an entertaining series and uh, well that fr- so the friday night of the night of the 18th inning game uh i worked till 10 and liddy had came back my wife liddy came back from a trip from of 10 days so i'd been sans i've been living the single life for 10 days and uh so i thought okay i get off work we'll be able to watch an inning or two maybe catch the last inning of the game uh we ended up watching nine innings of base we watched the whole damn thing and uh it was fan, you know, a horrible ending, but uh, you know that's 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 what I love about baseball. Like it was the bomb, you know, um, the mouse hit the bomb. Max Muncy hit the bomb to walk off, and uh, I just love walk offs. Um, and then Saturday night, we well, were, he almost walked it off. Like in the what was that, the twelfth inning or the thirteenth when yeah. he hit that? He hit the one that. Just barely missed the foul pole. Yeah, and then Ian Kinsler had the chance to shut it down with that play at second base, and he slipped or whatever and threw wide, and that kept the game going. I mean, what a Angela went to bed and she missed she missed like six innings, yeah. and she came out like, oh my god, what are you still doing out here? And I'm like, baby, it's the bottom of the sixteenth, right. and they <laughs> still have two more innings left in that game. Yeah, and then Saturday night, yeah. we, we Saturday we drove up to uh, L.A. for a friend's Halloween party. And uh, watched the game. We're listening to the game on the way up. So Puig gets the three-run bomb. Uh, we shut off the radio because we just can't stand any Dodger victory or any Dodger um, positivity or whatever. And uh, we get to uh, Michael and Monica's place, and it's 4-3. So we start watching the game, visiting, and we watch Boston take over the lead with a bunch of Dodger fans in attendance. And uh, it was wonderful. Um, we didn't gloat too much, uh, but it was nice to see them be all upset. And uh, even though they were friends of friends um, and we were friends afterwards, we let them know that we were happy that Boston was winning and that they won. So, then last so congratulations, night, Boston. Yes, thank you, Boston. And Joe Kelly, former Padre farmhand, uh, having a pretty prominent role in that game, uh, in the whole series. Wait, Joe? Joe Kelly was at one point a Padres farmhand. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the case. I think uh, I think he was traded back with um, Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, mm. I, I'm oh, being, you're thinking of Casey Kelly? Uh, yes, I'm being told by my sources uh, that in my ear that it was Casey Kelly. Um, I, I was just hoping. Yes. Yeah, I was just trying to get a Padres tie in. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, yeah, we some Padres tra- I, Drew Pomerantz was on the street for Boston. He did a game. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were a few Padres connections. I mean, obviously, Dave Roberts. So the Padres Twitter enjoyed laughing out on Dave Roberts' decision. I, I don't know. It's You can pick serious apart, especially with that pressure. And But the thing is, if half of those guys did their job, then we would have been and he would have been Absolutely, and uh, we got poor connectivity with Roy, uh, so uh, you you might hear him oh. come in and out, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but let's get some a little bit of breaking news. Let's start this off with batting leadoff. 
Uh, today was announced the Fall Stars roster, and uh, Miguel Diaz and Buddy Reed were named to the Fall Stars uh, All-Star game this Saturday. Buddy Reed has had five multi-hit games in ten games. He's hitting, after a double and a triple today, with two RBIs, he's hitting three sixty-six in uh, in the Arizona Fall League, which is fantastic. And Diaz has 11 innings pitched, three earned runs, and eight Ks. So, um, Buddy Reed really having a solid Arizona Fall League. It kind of reminds me of last year in, uh, in Australia. He went to Australia, had a good season, tore it up, and then he came back, and he was on another level. So maybe I, I, you kind of want to see the guy struggle a little bit so that you see him learning, but who knows? Maybe he's turning the page right in front of us. Right, and, and I thought the little bit of that learning was shown when he was up in uh, San Antonio and struggled. And then, you know, coming into the Arizona Fall League where, you know, almost every game's an all-star game, uh, him doing well, I think, I hope it does, it, it kind of propels him into uh, a little bit better season coming up in double up, up in double A in Amarillo and uh, see him maybe turn it around and figure it out. Because the other tool, the defensive tools for him are just off the charts. Like, he's a solid, solid plus defender. Uh, it's the bat that we always worry about with Buddy. That this is Buddy Reed is the case of the guy that's the athlete that he played a bunch of sports. He played soccer and hockey. He played some baseball growing up, but he really wasn't a baseball player until he went to college. Yeah. So he's learning baseball skills. He already had the the physical tools. Um, a player development kind of a story, rather than somebody who is a, a polished college player like a, a Grant Little or an Owen Miller, if you will that performed in college, they already have the baseball skills. It's a matter of just turning him into a professional. He's a raw athlete becoming a baseball player in front of our eyes. Yeah, and that's, that's great to see. Um, I wanted to, so uh, for Arizona Fall, let's just wrap up the Arizona Fall League stuff. Uh, Blake Rogers, a right-handed pitcher, was added to the roster. Um, I didn't hear that. It wasn't tweeted out. Um, I saw it on the, I looking over the roster, I saw him added to it. Um Nothing was announced. It's just he was put on the roster, and that was it with no fanfare. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, yeah. So, so Rogers. I mean, they they they, they had people that they want, and they don't necessarily always. Okay. Like he spent, like he bounced around in 2017. He was in Fort Wayne Tri Cities in the Arizona Summer League in 2017. I should say. And then this year he spent pretty much all season at Lake Elsinore. Um, there's there's nothing that particularly stands out about him on stat lines. Uh, he's 24 from Texas, six foot two reliever. Yeah. Well, good for Blake, and we'll see how he does. Um, before we get on to anything else, I, I wanted to mention I found you know on 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 Twitter, um, I found uh, Padres UK. On Twitter, so there are Padre fans in the United Kingdom. I guess there's a whole Major League Baseball uh, UK Twitter sphere over there. And I wanted really, to give- I was only aware of one account. Right. <laughs> um, I would, you know, and I and I following him, following Padres UK. I, I went down this whole rabbit hole of of baseball in England and I did follow a lot of those things, but there is a whole bunch of baseball stuff going on. There are baseball leagues, there are professional baseball league, uh, in, in, uh, in the UK. And, uh, I just, I really went down a rabbit hole. Um, but I wanted to mention Padres UK. You guys that follow the Padres, follow Padres UK at Padres, uh, UK. Also, I found a Padres SD Padres France. Um, and they're at, and they're at SD Padres FR. Apparently, we have friends in France, and you want to. American France is an actual French Twitter account. Say that one more time. You broke up. This is an actual Padres, a French language Padres Twitter account. This is a. Um, American dude living in France, eating from you know, uh, this is where it's an international phenomenon. Wow, I didn't know that. I, that is awesome. But I wanted to give those guys a shout out and uh, and a mention, and for everyone else to just give them a follow. Um, also wanted to give a little quick shout out to East Village Times. Uh, sure. Go ahead. 
There is also an at SD Padres Spain. Very good to know. I'll have to start following those guys too. And now is that from the Padres for our friends in Spain? I I presume so, yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Pod, we need we need as many fans as we can get. Uh, Padres Global. <laughs> but what I was going to say was I, I wanted to say that you know, East Village Times does a daily recap of all the minor league players in the Latin leagues. And I wanted to give a shout out to the uh, for James Clark and the EBT team over there that do a, a daily roundup and tweet it out every night. And uh, uh, you guys give that a follow and I give that a, a read. Nice. Okay, so we'll go on with some news, actually, some actual news. Uh, Luis Urias will be playing for the Yankees de Oregon uh, November 23rd. So uh, no offseason for the ball. Well, the offseason's over. The few weeks after the end of the uh, Major League season, uh, you got Luis Urias playing for uh, Yankees. Uh, Francisco Mejia will be joining Fernando Tatis Jr. on the Estrellas de Orientales, and he will continue working on catching. So, Rios ended his season early with a hamstring injury. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody really thought that the injury was serious. It sounded like he could have come back by the end of the season if they really wanted to. They just gave him the rest. Um, so, if there's anybody out there who had any question at all, he's clearly back in game shape. Absolutely. And, uh, and playing and starting to get, you know, starting his season early. Um, so, I tweeted out earlier that the Milbies, and we talked about it last episode, the Milbies, and Chris Paddock was named the Breakout Award of the MILB staff, uh, and he shares the Breakout Award with the Yankees prospect Michael King, who won the fans' choice. So no, you know, and it was voted on all the votes, you know, it was all fan-voted, and you can vote as many times as you want. And uh, I voted like 500 times for every one of the Padres' uh, nominees, but... Chris Paddock won for uh, the, the staff of the MILB, chose Chris Paddock for the breakout season of a starting pitcher. And, uh, and, and so the ML, uh, MILB's Gerard Gilberto wrote an article on Chris Paddock. And basically, I'm going to read you guys this interview. Uh, excellent interview. So, um, Roy, you chime in whenever you want. So Chris Paddock opened the year ranked 23rd among Padres' top 30 prospects. The right-hander suffered through a hiatus of nearly two years after having Tommy John surgery in late 2016. Quote, being away from the game that you love for a year, you can really learn a lot just about yourself and how much you actually miss the game. I looked back on it, and it was 20 months of rehab and hard work, but I'd do it all over again if I knew I was going to come back the way I did. Now the number 35 overall prospect, Paddock admits that the negative thoughts and troubling questions about his future were tough to shake. But as it turns out, what he was working towards was the best pitching performance in the minors this season, earning the staff pick for the 2018 Top Starting Pitcher Milby Award. I love the word Milby. Um, it feels awesome. I'm still <laughs> soaking it all in and taking uh, a, mo a moment to just, I'm so proud of my hard work. The fifth-ranked Padres prospect said, coming back and having a success successful year, and achieving all my goals and having my family supporting me day in and day out, it's just been such a blessing. I love the humility from him. It's kind of one of those things uh, that the numbers don't lie and you don't, and you've just got to be proud of yourself for all your accomplishments. In his debut with Class A Advanced Lake Elsinore on April 30th, he reached the sixth inning threshold for the first time as a pro while yielding three hits and fanning three in a scoreless. And a scoreless performance. Hey, look, you're back. In a score. Hi. Hey, <laughs> bad connection. So uh, that moment at that time was probably the biggest moment for me of the year. Just because it was just kind of gets the feet wet. Pardon me. Just because it just kind of gets the feet wet. I knew that having success early on would help me mentally and get me prepared for my next 15 to 20 starts down the road. Once he got past all the hiccups and showed he could respond to a six-man rotation and not only respond but compete, that's when I felt we were okay. Padres pitching coordinator Eric Young told MILB in September he needed to be able to throw 15 starts in a row 
and through all his hard work, he got there. Once he did, he really crushed it. Paddock admitted he'd predetermined the predetermined pitch count limit sometimes got frustrating, particularly during good outings. Roy, did you want to say something there? Oh, no, I'm good. Keep okay. going. You're on a roll. Fantastic. Uh, I'm a big competitor in whatever I'm doing, not just baseball. If it's playing a game of chess, whatever it is, I want to win. That kind of helped me grow as a player as well, knowing that I can get through five or six innings with 85 pitches Whenever they bump me up to 100, 110, I can get into the 7th or 8th, potentially the ninth inning, and give my team a chance to win. The righty hopes to develop his curveball into a more effective offering. If you can have... Go ahead. So, yeah, that's what we think. So he's been limited to 85 pitches most of the season. Yeah. And so he could just go out there and use up all of his BBs, but... I wonder if this has taught him to try to be a little bit more efficient rather than just trying to strike everybody out because you can get through a whole game. I and mean, Greg Maddox has pitched a complete game with less than 85 pitches. So I, I, I like that idea. And that thought just popped into my mind. He could have gone out there and just blown through 85 pitches and beat them in four innings, right. but he wants to stay in the game. He wants to finish with started. So he's trying to work deep. I like that idea. Right, you almost want to. You almost wonder if that's uh, that could be a, a a way for guys to develop. It's like, okay, you got eighty five pitches. Do the best you can with eighty five pitches. It forces you to to attack the zone, to throw everything for a strike, and you know try to get guys out and give your team the best chance to win. Okay, so on his curveball, if you can have a third or fourth pitch in the bag and be able to show hitters that later on, it just gives you that much more of a head start. My curveball is not where I want it to be. I'm a big believer in how much work you put in over the offseason. It's kind of the results you get during the season. If anyone in the system has the hose horses to see the more the merrier approach pay off in a big way, it's the Padres. The Padres boast six pitchers among the top 100 prospects. And at 22, he's the oldest at 22. <laughs> I try and be the best. crazy. It is crazy. You know, I try and be the best example that I can because of the younger guys. They only have one way to look, and that's up. I know in a few years what we're going to have with the Padres in the big leagues is going to be something special. You can ask Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. I promise you'll, I promise you, they'll always say that there's something to learn or there's something they need to get better at. Once you start accepting your success and all you've accomplished, you're going to start getting passed up. The saying is, it's easy to make it, it's hard to stay. Um, so, he, already, he sounds like a motivational speaker. I want him to come and talk to me at my job and, like, fire me up so I can be better at what I do or, you know, whatever it is. I, the guy, he's, he's, he's got the right mindset. And the fact that he's at 22, he's talking about the, the younger guys that he can be the best example he can be. I mean, come on, you're 22. I get that you've been around for a couple of years, but the fact that he's saying that right now tells me that five years from now, when he's in the big leagues and you've got the next wave coming up behind him, he will be taking them aside and saying, look, here's what you need to do, or you're trying to keep him in line. And that's something that they talk about trying to cultivate at the major league level that I think the Padres have struggled to do. Absolutely. And, and having, you know, that's a leader in the making right there. That's a guy developing his leadership skills by just his work ethic and his mindset and his, you know, his personality. He wants his guys, he wants other guys to get better. And, you know, and he certainly isn't going to be the only guy going through Tommy John surgery as we, as we progress in, in the minor. So even having that experience um, and being able to share that with other guys that may have to go through Tommy John in the, in the future uh, says a lot, you know, to have a, a leader like that in our pitching staff and then have, you know, leaders on the field and, and position players um, is huge. And we see that in Fernando Tatis as he develops his leadership qualities um, through just, you know, the way he prepares, the way he plays, and, uh, you know, the way he communicates with other players. Mm -hmm, for sure. So I, I added something to our list here last minute. Um, I noted this down a little while MLB Pipeline published an article. These 20 pitchers boosted their stock this year, 
and those 20 pitchers, three Padres made the list. So Chris Paddock, uh, they list him as the Padres five overall, and overall he's the top. Uh, he's number 48 in all of baseball. Yeah. Um, I don't need to go through the numbers here because you just went through all of that in the article. Uh, and then Logan Allen is also listed. He is the. They list him as number eight in the Padres system, 85 overall. They say Allen might be the third best lefty prospect in the Padres system, but he definitely put himself more on the national prospect radar. Uh, he was unranked at the beginning of the season, going to number 85, thanks to a year that saw him post incredible numbers in double and triple A at age 21. And I, I think he's going to be probably the next young guy called up next year. Maybe Cal Quantrill will come up before Logan Allen's knocking on the door. And then the third guy that they mentioned was Luis Patino, uh, who they have ranked as number 12 within the Padres system. So unranked to start the year, this 18-year-old full season ball in May and dominated there to put up a big arrow next to his showing even more dominance in the second half. And again, I'm not going to go through the numbers because we've gone over that. You guys can look at all it all yourself. But um, speaking of leadership and personality and charisma, I, just, I love Luis Patino. So thinking of Patino and Paddock in the same rotation, that's pretty cool. Oh, man. And then Logan Allen and Mackenzie Gardner. No, we get excited. Well, God, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I, I've been thinking about the, what, what our top rotation would look like and, and what and who we'd want to have, you know, if, if, if say, Gore's our number one, put Patino second, Chris Paddock three, uh, you know, that's, that's him with, as a, with, with the state of the curveball right now. Um, moving down, Adrian Moore, maybe Adrian Moore owns a three, and Paddock's a four. Uh, moving down to a, a five, you know, we, we have Baez, we have Cal Quantrill, um, you know, Ryan Weathers a few years behind, you know, a few years down the road, but, like, we can have a absolutely filthy rotation if everything kind of you know goes our way and everyone uh, stays healthy and develops the way they should. Um, that's probably not going to happen. In the- well, that's big. I mean, but what about? I mean, you forgot about Denelson Lamet, right? And then there's still potential guys that are closer to the majors. And then there are guys like Nick Margavicious and Tom Cosgrove and Pedro Avila, uh, Reggie Lawson. I mean, you can just go down the list. There's probably, there's easily 15 to 20 pitchers in the Padres system that have a, a route to the major leagues right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and a role. And, you know, it, it's funny, after all this World Series talks, they were talking about how how hard the, you know, the, not only the starters were throwing, but the bullpen guys were throwing. And the, the, the average velocity was 94. Everyone was pumping it up there, 96, 98. You know, Joe Kelly last night was hitting 100. Um, the other the other bullpen guys, I want to say Severino. Go on. Oh, Severino of the Yankees? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, was, I saw an article on, on Fangraphs. It was either on Fangraphs or on the Athletic where they were talking about the playoff spike in velocity, that the, the max velocity winds up staying the same, but – Pitchers tend to pitch to a higher average velocity in the postseason. So whether that has to do with, um, you know, with the adrenaline that they have or just the situation that they feel the pressure and they need to try to get each out. Um, so you see guys like remember the start where, um, where Eric Lauer was all of a sudden he was hitting like 94, 96. Yeah. And that's not who it is. But all of a sudden, that extra velocity came out, and it's just an adrenaline must have been pumping through him on that day. Well, and 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 during those starts, he did really well. It was the starts, it was the games where he was hitting ninety one, maybe ninety two, uh, that he got shelled. You know, he he really does rely when he's not throwing that. You know, the mid nineties, he has to rely on location and command. But yeah, so so any of those guys can come around and. You know, if they don't make the rotation, certainly can be in the bullpen and just have a bunch of filthy guys in the bullpen as well. So Mike Rose, yeah, Munoz. Yeah. Oh God. See, I forgot about Munoz. It's just, you know, pitching is our is our window, and 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 if some of those guys may be traded, uh, I'm certain probably some of those guys will be traded later on for um, for other the major league pieces, but. There's just there's just no end to uh, to what we can do with the pitching in our system. Um, MILB's Mike Rosenbaum checked in on Buddy Reed and he wrote this. Buddy Reed came into his own last offseason while playing in the Australian Baseball League. 
I've been playing since November of last year, said Reed, who batted 326 with 10 home runs in 31 games with Canberra Cavalry. But playing for the Padres is obviously an honor, and having them tell me to come to Arizona is even better. After full first full season during which he had 234, 290, 396 line in 88 games in Class A Fort Wayne, Reed made some key adjustments at the plate in the ABL and rediscovered his strength as a hitter. I changed my mechanics, got a little lower, and more into my legs, said Reed. Those changes paid immediate dividends for Reed this past season in Class A advance, where he produced a 324, 371, 549 line with 12 homers, 40 extra base hits, and 33 steals in 79 games for Lake Elsinore. That performance earned his, the 23-year-old outfielder promotion to Double A in July, and he represented the U.S. in the Sirius XM All-Stars Future Game uh, at Nationals Park a few days later, where he had a fantastic game. Um, however, success- oh yeah, yeah, I, that 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 highlight reel catch of Tatis <laughs> in the outfield, I love that the interchange between two teammates. Absolutely, he almost hit the bomb off of God. I can't remember what mm-hmm. pitcher. Just it was one of the top prospects too. Um, However, success didn't come as easily for the former 2016 second rounder. In the Texas League, across 43 games, Reed batted 179, 227, or 235 with a 32% strikeout rate, up from 24.5% in the California League. I thought I had a pretty good year, said Reed, but when I got to AA, I think I lost it a little bit. I don't know if it was physically or mentally, but I just had a little lapse. Pitches are a lot better. Noted Reed about the transition to double A. They can make their pitches look like strikes and end up being balls. And when there's one pitch that you get, if you miss, you sometimes won't get another. It's about having a disciplined approach at the plate. Uh, I've been working on that. It wasn't there as much in double A, but coming here, I get those reps and refine my approach a little bit. You know, and he certainly has. Uh, Oh, Yeah, so that, that tells me that if they're not working on a whole lot of mechanical stuff, which I know they were early in the season in Lake Elsinore, um, you, know, you get past the mechanics, you clean things, get rid of the, the hitch or the loop and the swing, and then you start working on the approach. Uh, I, that, that's the, they say that making this step from single A to double A is the biggest, the, the biggest difference in talent that a, that a prospect sees until they make the leap to major leagues. Right. So, so you know, we could throw away the the double A with with Buddy last season, and we could throw away the 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 uh, the season Potts had, you know, and Potts being super young uh, in double A anyway. It's just next year when they've you know they've already got their feet wet. They know what to expect. They know what to work on. Where we hope to see the most, uh, we you know we hope to see them both uh, propel themselves into into the conversation. You know, I haven't seen Hudson Potts in a winter league assignment. I wonder if he's going to wind up making an appearance somewhere. Well, we'll see after we'll see after the Arizona Fall League, which ends uh, right around uh, Thanksgiving, I believe. Oh, good point. Of course, that's where he's at. <laughs> right, and for and I wonder if he's going to stay there in Arizona and work on stuff, or maybe go on for a little while and and have a rest before spring training in February. True. You know, and, and it almost seems, just for, give me a second here, it almost seems like every year, you know, the offseason gets shorter and shorter with, you know, with it's almost November. Uh, everyone starts showing up in late January, you know, mid-February. We start seeing reports. We have the, you know, it just, it just seems like the offseason gets shorter. And, and Well, I think it's, it's the world becoming smaller because 10 years ago, nobody paid attention to the Arizona Fall League. Or definitely what was happening in Australia. And I, I don't even know if players were being assigned to the Australian Winter League. But now we can stream them on our, on our device here. We have all kinds of different media that we can, we can communicate and, and keep track of who's doing what. Uh, there's, we, you didn't pay attention to w- what was going on in single A way back. You, you maybe heard something about what was happening in triple A, right. maybe double A if a pitcher was tearing it up and you think they might be making a call up. But now the, the, the whole world has become so small with the internet that baseball can be a, a year-round uh, spectator sport now. Well, absolutely. And before, and before, you know, before technology, the San Diego Union would like once a week put up like a ball, you know, it'd be Lake Elsinore, it'd be Double A, it'd be Triple A, and you get a little, you know, quarter page in the bottom of the sports section once a week 
on what other players. I remember reading about Headley going, wow. And, and Sean Burroughs like, wow, oh, my God, these guys are doing so great. You know, I can't wait to see them. And uh, that was it. We weren't seeing daily reports. We weren't getting box scores from the AFL back then. And uh, absolutely right. And, and it's great because it, it allows it allows fans to get excited about their players. I mean, as, as Padre fans, that's all we have right now is the future. And the future is right now in the minor leagues. <laughs> so moving on, our friend friend of the podcast, Benjamin Hill, released his favorite minor league ballparks. And uh, AAA, the Southwest University Park, home of the El Paso Chihuahuas, Chihuahuas um, won his best AAA ballpark. Uh, and it reads here, opened in 2004. He visited in the opening season. So he visited in uh, 2014. El Paso was a border town, a Southwest University ballpark, a encapsulates the blend of Mexican-American culture that typifies life in the West Texas city. Uh, the Chihuahua's name is a reference not just to a small dog, but to the Chihuahuan desert that encompasses both West Texas and a substantial part of northern Mexico. The Franklin Mountains loom beyond the park's left-field fence. The El Paso skyline is visible to the right in sprawling mountain, mountainous Juarez, Mexico. Cityscape hovers just beyond the home plate side of the stadium. Interesting architecture complements components such as a three-story big doghouse in right field make the park itself a memorable place to explore. And the multicultural fan base provides a livelier than usual minor league game day atmosphere. Yes, I would love to see more Latin style fans uh, in minor league baseball. A little bit more of a party atmosphere. Um, but I digress. Uh, as if that wasn't enough, you're unlikely to find a wider array of authentic Mexican cuisine at any American sports facility anywhere. Um, also named, uh, honorable mention, was the Diamond at Lake Elsinore. And also for A-Ball, the Parkview Field got an honorable mention. Now, Parkview Field has just gotten so many awards lately that, um, and there are so many ballparks around in, in every, you know, in, in every in every level of minor league baseball that, um, you know, you, I can appreciate Lake Elsinore and Park, both Parkview getting honorable mentions instead of, you know, instead of a full, full on, award, you know, him liking it. Well, he only, he only awarded one stadium for each level. Yeah. And I think there were, there were two or three honorable mentions at the bottom of each. Yeah. So for the Padres to have three out of, out of all of that is pretty awesome. Um, so and our, our listeners in San Diego, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably been up to Lake Elsinore just to catch a game. Great place to go. But I had the treat of going to Southwest University Park this spring, uh, to go to the, the, what do you want to call it? The, the exhibition game between the Padres and the Chihuahuas. Yeah. And it is, it's a beautiful ballpark. It's right in the downtown. So the location is great, um, but it's it's got the the green painted steel and the brick and the like traditional like you think of the colors of Fenway and Wrigley Field, uh, and the the scenery around. But yeah, the fans are so engaged, and you see a bunch of Padres fans. I, I love that that you drop a minor league town, a minor league game in a town, and now you're cultivating this fan base in a in a remote location. Um, and now the Padres are about to open the new double-A team in Amarillo in a brand-new stadium. Yes. So hopefully that ballpark winds up um, competing along these lines. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you know, it's funny you say they're Padre fans in El Paso. If you follow, you know, as we follow a lot of the uh, minor league teams and a lot of that's written about them, you know, uh, particularly like up in Tri-Cities, a lot of the people that work there, like Eric the Peanut Guy, uh, are you know Seattle Mariner fans. I mean, they're they're Tri City Dust Devil fans, but their major league teams are in the region. So there are tons of Mariner fans going to watch the Padres uh, short season team up in Tri Cities, and uh, you know I would suspect that there's a lot of uh, Cub fans that you know go to um, Fort Wayne in Indiana, and you know they support the regional major league teams are fans of, but then, you know, go to uh, the single A, you know, go to the minor league games and support that team as well. So it's they great. do, but El, El Paso is kind of a different critter because yeah, it's in Texas, but it's, it's a way different Texas than anywhere else. And so it's not like you're going to have 
Rangers fans or Astros fans, El Paso doesn't really have any major league team in the vicinity. Right. So I I don't know if they chose that from if there was any marketing reason why El Paso was targeted. Um, but it, it was kind of an unclaimed area, so now the Padres went and just planted their flag in El Paso. <laughs> Padre expats in El Paso. Out in the southwestern yeah, town of El Destiny. Paso. I fell in love with the AAA team. Um, but I, oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> I could add a little bit of the best of Hey, do you want to, uh, you want to read about uh, Baseball America here? Yeah, so Baseball America started rolling out their top prospect list at each level. And there's an article for each one of these, and they're all worth reading because they go through and they break down each player. But I'm just going to highlight the players that they mentioned. Um, and they're all guys that you're going to be familiar with. Uh, so in the PCL, among their top 20 prospects, they listed Luis Urias at number three, and number 20 is Fran Mill Reyes. Both of them were promoted to the major leagues by the end of the season. Uh, but Fran Mill just absolutely crushed it yeah. in AAA in his time there. So much that he became a story. We were all like, "When? what are they going to do? How are they going to bring him on the roster? And then he came up and he became my favorite Padre this year. Uh, Texas League top 20. You've got at number one, Fernando Tatis Jr., number seven, Logan Allen, number nine, Josh Naylor, number 15, Cal Quantrill, number 19, Austin Allen. Five Padre players in the top 20 in the Texas League. This is going to be a theme here. California League, number two, Adrian Morihone. Number three, Chris Paddock. Number seven, Michelle Baez. Number nine, Hudson Potts. Number 16, Buddy Reed. Again, out of the top 20 prospects, you've got five of them. A quarter and, of them uh, yeah. This isn't necessarily who had the best season. It's who were the top prospects in, in those, those levels. Because um, Adrian Morihone, yeah, he had a good year by the time you look back at it, but he was injured. He missed a lot of time. Right. There were some ups and downs. But he's still their number two prospect because his talent is that high. On to the Midwest League. Number two, Mackenzie Gore. Number 10, Luis Patino. And number 16 was Estuy Ruiz. Um, so, again, this is about the prospects. Right. Patino, I think he's still being held back on some of these lists. Like Baseball America, they tend to be more conservative. They want to see um, they want to see a, a, a resume. They want to see right. history. A, right, a wider uh, body of so work. So Patino is kind of a – he's a pop-up guy this year. So somebody can come up and dominate a league for a season and then regress or get hurt or something like that. I don't believe that Patino is going to be that guy, but he needs another half season or so before he starts crashing the top 100s and really rising. And then finally, the North, Northwest League for the, um, the Tri-City Dust Devils, you've got number four, Xavier Edwards, number seven, Tucupita Marcano, number 16, Owen Miller, number 17. Grant Little, number 18, Henry Henry. Again, five Padres players out of the top 20 prospects in the Northwest League. Yeah. Stacked, stacked with talent. Stacked. Um, you know, and I said this last episode, and I'm going to say it again this year. There's uh, this episode, there is a lot. The next season is going to be really telling for where we are with the rebuild, uh, really telling what happens in the offseason with the Major League Club and that logjam of an outfielder, uh, you know, the, uh, the outfield. Um, and kind of the logjam that we have in other positions, you know, what do we trade, you know, go ahead. Do we trade Josh Naylor? Or what do we do? Well, you've got positions. As you mentioned, we, the Padres have a ton of pitching. Pitching is where there's the most attrition. You get the most guys that are hurt or that flame out or whatever. But at the same time, so many pitchers up and down the rosters. And then you've got guys like um, Austin Allen is a little bit blocked now since he's borderline ready to make a major league appearance, yeah. but you've got, you've got talented catchers in front of him. Um, and then Josh Naylor is kind of a man without a position who more and more seems custom fit for a team with an AL need or a, a designated hitter lead yeah. need. Um, but more than that, I, I think I, I saw somebody in one of these chats, I think it was Eric Longenhagen saying something about, condensing the talent um you only have so many spots on all the minor league rosters and really you look and this year that the padres seem to be having a hard time finding spots for everybody yeah there's just there's so so much talent and so it's you might see some trades where they're trading a couple of b minus guys and a c plus guy to get a b 
plus player or an A minus player even. Right. Um, so trying to condense the talent, which you you, you kind of have to. What's the term I'm looking for? Something about chaff thinning out the right. thin out the herd a little. You you have to. Yeah, <laughs> you have to make spots for the guys that need the opportunities. And so, if you have too many good players that are clogged up in AAA, and you've got some guys that you're looking at and going, "Well, I don't know if there's really the future for him to break through and be an impact major league player," but there's another team that has a need at the end of their roster for somebody that can play first base and third base and is an okay hitter and knows how to, you know, take a take a pitch off the thigh. Then maybe they're willing to make a trade for Ty France and a Josh Naylor, and then you pick up a high end shortstop that's right. in single A but has the talent to become the next Tatis. Right, absolutely. I can see the Padres making those kinds of trades to 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 clean up the rosters next year. Yeah, and, and coming soon is the Rule 5 draft, and there's going to have to be some moves there. It, it, it's, it's Yeah, just... I, I saw, I think I saw that the date to set all that is the 20th, November 20th. Woo! That's three when the away. rosters need to be set. Man, so there's, uh, you know, it's just, so, and a lot of these guys, real quick, and a lot of these guys would be top 10 in any other organization, would be, you know, some of our guys that aren't even on this list would be a top 10, top 20 in other organizations, and they're not even mentioned here. Yeah, yeah, the Padres are on a short list with, with Atlanta, Houston, and then maybe like Toronto or New York as far as the depth, the, qual- the quantity and the quality of depth that they have. But you mentioned the Rule 5. Um, so today was the day where Major League players become free agents. Yeah. So um, so AJ Ellis and Freddie Galvis are officially no longer Padres. They are officially free agents as of today. I believe there's a few days where the, the team they depart from has an exclusive time to negotiate whatever. Um, and, but then the interesting part to me is when we're going to start seeing the non-tender decisions. Uh, the minor, the the guys that are on the pre-arbitration or the arbitration scale, right. and they're going to make the decisions not to offer some of these guys salaries. So we may be looking at that for guys like um, like Colton Brewer or right. uh, say Perella, people like that are the kind of back end of the roster guys that are. I I I I don't mean to be cruel, but they're relatively replaceable guys. Well, and, and that so let's talk about that for a minute because there's also like Corey Spangenberg. Um, that also needs to be, he's arbitration eligible. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's funny. We, um, the other day I went to, uh, went to the season ticket holder. So a friend of mine has season tickets and I went to, in his place to, um, to maybe change seats where he was. And we did change seats. We're now going to be sitting, uh, we'll be buying Monday nights from him and we'll be sitting right behind the dugout, uh, in the 107 section on the aisle. Five rows back from, uh, the dugout from our seats at nice. one hundred two, um, but as we as I go to do that, we do we walk through the major league clubhouse and the Padres clubhouse, and I was very I, like I looked around and I saw Galvis, you know, I saw everyone that the the clubhouse hasn't changed since the last day of the season, so um, I wonder if they did that before free agency uh, happened or even if. You know they've taken his plaque off right now. Um, I just I, I noticed that Galvis was still there, but um, now that they're free agents and then we, you know the World Series obviously was going on still. Um, that if after that they just take his name down and like ship his stuff to his house or, you know how that works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. Right, I, know, I know that a lot of the players wind up um, they they stay in San Diego and they work out in the off season. Like I think Austin Hedges stays around San Diego. And so they'll use the gym, they'll use the batting cages and the facilities, they'll use the field um, in, in throughout the offseason. Yeah, and that makes, that makes tons of sense. They have, you know, they don't, they're, they're, they live here now. It's, this is where they work. So why would you go back to where you lived when you were in, you know, I don't know, when you were drafted or, or whatever. And uh, as a lot of those established players do that, I would think some of the younger players do. They stay, they stay here in San Diego and work out here in the offseason. Why go anywhere else? Well, I know there. Like last year, I saw a story where Clayton Richard took Lucchese and Lauer, and I believe he lives in Indiana. Yeah. So Lucchese and Lauer spent a couple weeks at his house, and 
working out with him in the off season. And the, the story was interesting because his workout just whooped him. He kicked their ass solid, but teaching the kids how to prepare and that kind of thing. Um, I saw Carlos Asuaje is in South Florida. There was a picture that was posted. He's like, Oh, back to work. And it, it funny in the background, I could swear it was Fernando Rodney. And then way back in the corner was Odrissimer Despagne. Right. So, and those guys all work out. Together, um, I, I see, I watch a lot of, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot, and I follow a ton of players, and occasionally, you know, you'll see them go live, and God, I, you know, I saw like six different, they were in some field in like the Dominican Republic, um, and it was like Nelson Cruz, uh, a bunch of other different, um, a bunch of other different minor league ball, uh, major league ball players that play for different teams, but they're all there with a bucket of balls hitting baseballs. You know, just working out together, and um, I found that really interesting. I'm gonna—I'll mention that if I see it again in, in the coming off season. But did you want to read this real quick thing on Josh Naylor? Oh, sure. Let's. So, uh, Jason Martinez is a writer for MLB Trade Rumors. Um, he actually did RosterResource.com, and then they got acquired by MLB Trade Rumors, which is Roster Resource is one of my secret tools where if I'm trying to keep track of who's at what level or um, they, they do depth charts, it's a really useful website. But anyway, he writes for MLBTradeRumors.com and he announced his top minor league performers of 2018. And the one Padre that he mentioned was Josh Naylor. Interestingly enough, out of all the performances that the Padres players have, wow. he's got Josh Naylor on his list. So he said the offseason signing of first baseman Eric Hosmer certainly didn't bode well for Naylor's future with the Padres. Whether he had an MLB future at all, however, was already in question. First, ba first base prospects can't just be good hitters. They need to mash, which is far from what Naylor did in 2017. But a 20-year-old holding his own in AA is still interesting nevertheless. So it was worth paying attention when he hit 379 with seven homers, five doubles, 13 walks, and 12 strikeouts in April. He also spent most of his time in left field in 2018, adding a bit of versatility to his game. Um, now, Naylor fell off those those hot numbers to begin with, and he wound up posting a pretty solid year. Uh, what I find interesting and a little bit concerning is that he had that power surge early, and then it faded. And at the end of the year, he was hitting for average. He was still getting on base, right. but the power seemingly kind of went away. So I wonder if it was a fatigue thing or, or what. Um, I'll be interested to see what his off-season conditioning looks like and what he looks like when he comes back into camp. We're going to spring training next year, and I know that's one of the first people that Angela tries to find. So uh, if he's still in the Padres organization, we'll take a good look at him. Um, and then Jason also listed Joey Cantillo as the rookie-level pitcher uh, in his power ranking leaders by level. So Joey Cantillo, um, definitely an interesting guy to follow. And I heard somewhere that it's Cantillo as an Amarillo, not Cantillo. <laughs> well, it, very good. Interesting. Interesting that you would say Josh Naylor's off season workout. Um, he has got to get slimmer. He has got to get slimmer, and like it's a very good point where it could have been fatigue. It could have been, you know, what you do in the offseason really translates to what you do in, during the season, and maybe maybe the pitchers figured stuff out. Maybe he was starting to get a glitch in his swing. Uh, you know, sometimes success breeds a little too much aggress aggressiveness where he was just starting to swing out of his shoes, trying to hit everything off, out of the ballpark. Um, I thought I saw a picture on him on Instagram that made him look a little – he looked a little thinner. So I, I, he could be definitely trying to slim down. But I hope that with that, it doesn't affect anything else. You know, with, with Yeah, the he's, he's definitely slimmed down, at least to me. It looks like he's slimmer. And I, maybe that was part of the assignment of sending him out to the outfield. Like, hey, you got to run. You got to work on your flexibility, agility, and all of that. Um, and then by doing that, you gain a little bit of speed, which yeah. was, I mean, he was like a 30 runner. <laughs> but I, so maybe that was the motivation because really he's not an outfielder and the rich, the, the reviews at the end of the season were not favorable that he didn't, even after spending all season there, he wasn't getting the right routes. He was thrown to the wrong guy. His throws were going offline, but it, it's a big change for a guy that's played first base his whole, I mean, his whole, I, I would imagine his whole life growing up. He's probably been a big kid his whole life. Being a left-handed thrower, you're either going to pitch or you're going to play in the outfield or first base. So being a big kid, they stick you at first base. Uh, but it, 
he has slimmed down a little bit. Yeah. That's where I want to see how he carries it through the offseason. Yeah. Uh, now, the, the weight loss will affect your ability to hit. And there are some guys, like I remember Prince Fielder lost some weight, and he said that it affected his swing. Yeah. And he put some weight back on because he wasn't as good of a hitter. It's interesting. Yeah, the Panda also lost, like he was really bad. And, and before he got injured because of being so fat that he lost a bunch of weight and it affected his swing, Pardon me, and he didn't hit. He didn't hit that well. Also, um, pitches for the Yankees. Big guy, older starting pitcher. I got his. Oh, CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia lost a bunch of weight and it affected his pitching. Like yeah. the the mechanics that they learn are at the bodies that they have, and I, I'm no yes. I'm, I'm no evaluator, but it, it reason it stands the reason that. You lose some of that, you have to learn a little bit better of a swing or a little bit better uh, pitching mechanics, and it changes everything. Yep, for sure. Absolutely. Well, that's about all we have uh, for this week. Um, coming up soon, we're gonna. I we uh, you know coming up soon, we're gonna have the Mad Friars begin putting out all the prospects uh, of each level. We'll have that. We'll also have uh, some more content coming out as well. Um, in the future, down the road, I hope to have Jason Panini from Prospects Live come on and talk to us about uh, Arizona Fall League. Uh, I have um, AJ Casabell coming in uh, to talk uh, just Powdery's baseball, and uh, that's coming in the off season as well. Isn't as well off season as well. Sorry, it's been a very long day for me. I've been up since four thirty. Um, but you can reach me at SD Donovan on Twitter, and you can find Roy at Zippy underscore TMS. All right, and that's it. Have a great week, and go Padres. Go Padres. Sweet. <laughs>